Well, we're going to spend just a couple minutes, well, more than a couple, but not very many more. I want you to, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. And for those that maybe have gone to our Journey to Freedom classes with Pastor Bob and Ryan and Ben and those guys, and if you've ever counseled with me one-on-one, and I'm sure I've shared this before in a sermon, messages, um, but it's one of the major scriptures, I guess, as far as the ministry that the Lord has really uh, led me into as pastor here at Victory Christian Church. You know, our, our, our mission statement is to help people discover and experience the abundant life in Christ. Kind of dovetails really nicely into what Hope Harbor does. And there's a section of scripture, and if you're reading along with us in the New Testament that we're trying to read through in a year here, you'll be doing Second Timothy, and you should be reading these chapters this week. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to not do so much of my introduction, but to remind us again, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, who was his spiritual son. He had been mentoring him for years. He had left him in Ephesus to deal with a church, as a pastor in a church, and it wasn't a perfect church because there was people there. And, and there were a lot of problems. And he wrote this letter, and it's just filled with encouragement, instruction, and how to handle things. But as much as anything, one of the things you'll see over and over and over in here, and especially in chapter 2, where I'm looking today a little bit, is whatever you do, don't lose focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. No matter what, focus He's telling Timothy, you focus on the gospel. All this other stuff that's going on, yeah, you've got to deal with it, but don't let your eyes get off the gospel. And then he tells Timothy, and as a pastor, Timothy, whatever you do, make sure you keep the people focused on the gospel. And in, a, in a, some of the verses I'm not going to spend much time on, starting in verse 14, he even talks about staying focused as a workman and don't get hung up in all this debating and arguing over words and things that just aren't important. And I think I can apply that to us in a couple of ways. One, when we're sharing with people, sometimes we get so irate and winning the debate becomes the issue instead of sharing the love of Jesus Christ. We will parse words, argue about words, whatever. He's saying, don't get into that babbling. It's going to do harm, not good. And I think that's a good reminder for all of us. The message that we need to share and that we need to live is Jesus, the gospel message. So what I want to focus on is starting in verse 20 and 21. And I don't know how that will help you back there, but verses 20 and 21, it says, Now in a large house there are not only good and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood, of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if a man cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, and prepared for every good work. We are called to live a life that brings glory to God. The way we live our life matters. The last couple of weeks, I'm kind of sounding like a broken record, I'm sure, if you've been here. The way we live our life matters. The testimony that people see when they're looking at us as Christians, as ambassadors for Christ, matters. And he talked about, you know, clean versus unclean. And we could go through long lists of things in the clean and unclean, especially the unclean. And he did a little bit. And we are to be set apart, sanctified. That word set apart. We are supposed to be set apart no matter what you're doing. 
Sometimes we get the idea if we're supposed to be set apart to do the, be a workman for the Lord, we've got to quit our job and quit whatever it is we're doing and be in full-time something in the ministry. That's not true. You can be set apart for the Lord's work wherever he's got you planted. Whether it's in the workplace, the people that are in your, uh, in your sphere of influence, whether it is in the church or in your community, wherever it is, no matter what, we should remember that our primary calling is to be set apart to do the work of the ministry. And the primary work of the ministry is sharing the gospel. And that's what he says over and over. Remember the gospel. Set apart. Useful to Jesus. He's like, useful to Jesus, not so useful to Jesus. How many of us want to be useful for Jesus instead of not useful for Jesus? You know, we can have the best intentions, but if our lifestyle does not represent Christ, we're not going to be very useful. We can say lots of things. We can even quote scripture. But if we are not a workman who is clean and set apart, we're not going to be of much use. You know, you know, my insecurities prevent me from wanting to offend anybody, but sometimes people come to me, I want to do more for the Lord, and I want to go, go home, take a shower, clean yourself up. And I mean spiritually, not physically. Our lifestyle is like, I'm not going to come for you advice. And if I accidentally find myself there, I'm going to try to figure out how to get away from you so I don't have to hear your advice. We need to be set apart for the kingdom. How you live your life really does matter. And he goes into how to clean yourself up a little bit because it's practical. Paul's a practical guy. He says, flee your youthful lusts. Man, there's so many things out there to seduce us. Sin is a seducing thing. He says, flee from them. Don't mess around with them. Don't see how close you can get. Turn around and run from those useful lusts. Then he tells you, pursue something. You've turned, you're fleeing. Now pursue something. What? Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Love and peace. You know, if we start pursuing those things in our lives, you're going to look around and you're going to see people chasing after you because they want what you've got. So he says, pursue it. Flee those lustful, youthful lusts that we had. Pursue and then refuse. And he kind of is repeating himself here, which really tells me how important it is again. He says, refuse foolish and ignorant speculations. And another place he says, nobody really cares about your opinions. Share the truth with them. There are so many things that we can speculate on. There are so many things as Christians we come across and we all of a sudden have some knowledge that we didn't have before and we get so excited about it and we can hardly wait to share it with everybody. First of all, they're not that excited about it. And second of all, they may disagree with you because what you think you've learned isn't necessarily all in there. There are some things that we just don't know. Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us the secret things of God are his. And we can get into these opinions and speculations and discussions and argument that do nothing. As a matter of fact, Paul says they do great harm to those who are listening. So we want to stay focused on the gospel. And then he talks about being a bondservant in verses 24 through 26. A bondservant is a slave. You and I are called to be slaves, but a bondservant is a slave who voluntarily sets aside his own desires, 
his own opinions, and his own plans for the one whom they are going to serve. So we're not a slave in bondage as in punishment or something. We are choosing, choosing to be bondservants, choosing to be slaves, choosing to set aside our own personal agendas, choosing to do things that we may not even really want to do because we've got this flesh desire over here, but we choose to lay all that aside to follow him, to do what he wants. So I'm going to just read a few verses that I read so often to so many people, and probably including you, but every time I read them, I get blessed, and every time I read them, God puts his finger on something new in my life, and I don't like that, but I, I know it's good for me. So, starting in verse 24, and the Lord's bondservant, that should be all of us. And what he's instructing us here, I think, can be looked at from two different perspectives equally accurate. One, when we're dealing with an unbeliever who does not know the Lord. Or two, as Miss Cindy was saying, most of us are continually uh, uh, projects that are works in progress, right? And so many times we get saved and we know the Lord and we, we trust him, we love him, we believe he loves us, but we still got junk that, that's still got us in bondage in certain areas of our life. And I believe these scriptures are powerful for helping us get set free from that. Verse 24, And the Lord's bondservant, that's all of us, must not be quarrelsome. It's not our job to argue. It's not our job to fight. not our job to disagree. Not be quarrelsome, striving, engaging in, in word warfare, so to speak. We need to, to be uh, kind to all kind to everyone, gentle, you know, a gentle word can drive away an awful lot of wrath and other issues. So we need to be kind. And then it says, able to teach, able to teach. And the key here is what we teach. And what we need to be able to teach is the truth. Again, your opinions may be good, but the truth is what sets people free. So it's saying, as a bondservant, every single one of us, you may not be one who has a teaching gift as such, but if we're called to be bondservants, set apart for God and doing his work, we need to be able to teach the gospel. And the good news is the gospel is really simple. Really simple. We are sinners Jesus is the only son of God. He came to earth and lived a sinful life. The penalty for sin was death and he died in my place. He shed his blood, sacrificed himself for me, for my sins. And he was raised from the dead as God's seal of approval saying, sin has been dealt with. And he says, here, it's yours. Take it if you want it. Simple message. Can you teach that message? Can you teach it? Sadly, I can ask so many people and and many of them are saved but they don't know how to articulate it. They don't know how to share it. How frustrating it would, would it be for you? And I know because some of you have told me, told me that you had an opportunity and it was like the person was almost saying to him, please lead me to the Lord. And you go, uh, tell you what, let's call my pastor. Let's go to one of the elders. Forget it. Don't send him to me. You lead him to the Lord. God's put them in that place. It's not that hard. The gospel is simple. We need to be able 
to teach. And then it says we need to be patient. If you're a teacher, you better learn some patience. Because we need to remember our job is to just give the information, share the truth, and then let the Lord do what he's going to do with it. And then it goes on and said what he will do. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. With gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. Not to me. Not to you, the, 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 the slave of the Lord, who are opposition to themselves and to the truth. That's where the problems arise. As Gabby shared so well, you know, sometimes we believe those lies. We believe those words that are, people speak to us. We, we believe those voices that the enemy keeps throwing in our head that somehow we're not good enough. No one can love you. You'll never be a success. You're ugly. You're this. You're that. Guilt, shame, condemnation. We believe all those lies. And we are in opposition to the truth. And in a sense, opposition to ourself. Especially if we are saved, we're a child of God. And what we're believing is an opposition to that. The truth will set you free. And when we start sharing the truth, it's the Lord's job, the Holy Spirit's job to do the work. And look what it says for us. If perhaps God will grant them repentance. That is not like, well, maybe if he's in a good mood. That's not what it means. When you read the, the structure in the original language, it's he will. He will be moved, and he will grant them repentance. Now, we don't want to get all hung up on what repentance is and all that stuff, but, you know, to turn. He will grant repentance. Notice that. It's a gift from God. We can't even repent unless he gives us the grace to repent. And it is a key that unlocks something unbelievably significant in you and me living the abundant life that Christ died for. Look what it says. Grant them repentance that will lead to the knowledge of the truth, understanding, revelation. There are things in our life that I need to confess. For example, something as simple as shame. Do you know that that's sin in your life when you let shame? I confess, Lord, I have believed the lie of shame that somehow I am not good enough. All of a sudden, it's like, you know what? I am a daughter of the Most High God. I am a child of the King. It's unlocking revelation that gives us the knowledge of the truth. And I love the last verse, verse 26, that they may come to their senses and escape. I always tell people right away, because my first time I read that, geez, I am an idiot, but if he can fix that, we're in good shape. has nothing to do with intellect. Zero. If you would come to your senses, simply means he is going to give a, grant us repentance that leads to the knowledge of the truth that I will have a revelation of that truth. I always use the example of the prodigal son. The prodigal son took, half his, took his inheritance and went and spent it on partying, wild living, wine, women, and all kinds of gambling, all kinds of great times, and all of a sudden he's broke and he finds himself slopping hogs. And the very same word is used in the prodigal son story here. It says he came to his senses and he realized that his father's servants had it better than him. He had a revelation. And this is what's being said to us here. We will hear grant repentance leading to the knowledge of truth and we receive a revelation. And I know you get tired of me, but 
you know, when something's a big deal in your own life and you get a chance to talk about it, you always do, right? You repeat it over and over until everybody else is sick of it. I'm a child of God. Man, that revelation changed everything. Everything. I am a child of God. I'm a child of the King. He's a good, good father. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And I can have all those, well, but, 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 no. They're all lies. He loves me. He gives us a revelation. It doesn't need to be what the world would call intellectually profound. That's a pretty simple revelation, I hope. But you know what? If you're like me, you haven't gotten it yet. It keeps us in bondage. And then we can escape from the snare of the enemy, the devil. That we no longer have to do his will. God grants us repentance that leads to the knowledge of the truth. And the truth is what sets us free. And God gives us a revelation. Notice God's doing all the work. All you and I have to do as the workman is love him and share the truth. It is a combination of truth and love that opens doors for the Holy Spirit to do all his work. God grants them repentance. God gives them the knowledge of the truth. God gives them a revelation. And God then allows them and extends the grace to escape from that trap that the enemy has set. Sin is alluring. You know when you set a trap, you need good bait, right? Well, Satan's bait is just sin. It's nothing but lies and deceptions and counterfeit. And there's this allure to sin as soon as our focus gets off Jesus and the gospel. And he's telling us to be workmen, be bond servants, slaves to Jesus, set apart to do the work of the ministry. Vessels of honor, useful to the Lord. And to me, these verses are one of the sections of Scripture that are very, very key for me and my simple way of understanding what it means to help people to discover and experience the abundant life in Christ. Every one of us in here are called to help other people do that. This is what Hope Harper is all about. This is what they do every day. Help people to discover who they really are in Christ the relationship they can have with him, and then experience it. But part of that whole thing in, in experiencing the abundant life in Christ is then taking it, like Gabby was sharing on Tuesday night, and go and serve. Go and serve people. And that's what we're all about, we hope, at Victory. We want to be connecting with the God and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to grow in those relationships and we want to be able to serve the body of Christ. And I think if you, is this week, if you're, even if you're not reading the New Testament in a year, spend some time in 2 Timothy and read it as if he's instructing you on how to be a workman for the Lord. Let's close in prayer. Father, we do thank you so much for the goodness and grace that you extend towards us, the love that you have for us, God, that we do not have to perform for you in any way, shape, or form for you to love us, that you just love us so much that you sent Jesus to die on a cross for me, for each one of us here. God, I thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit to lead us, to guide us, to empower us, Father, to resist sin, but also to do the work of the ministry. 
I thank you, Lord, that we truly are a new creation in Christ. And God, that we have the great privilege of sharing the good news of the gospel with others. God, forgive us when we get a little lazy and we're not prepared. Lord, I pray you would give us that unction, that desire, that we may be part of, in a greater and greater way, of advancing the kingdom amongst our peers in, in southwest Minnesota. We thank you for what you're doing at Hope Harbor in and through them as they minister to these young ladies. And we do pray for them. We pray for all of the provision that's necessary to run this ministry in a practical way. Lord, we pray for all of the, the laborers and staff there that they would be filled themselves, that they can pour out of vessels that are full. And we do pray for their expansion. We pray for Gabby and the other young ladies that are there right now. And we give you praise and glory for those that have went through this program. We ask you now to bless us, watch over us, keep us safe. Help us to see where you're moving in our little world and give us the grace to come alongside you to build your kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen.